On this episode of Resi Week, we talk about Infocom 2023, one of the largest trade shows in the AV industry, and what residential integrators need to know about that show. And we also discuss how to become a descent farmer. All that and more next on Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 385, Uncle Richie and Cousin Joe. Welcome to Resi Week, your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and information for the residential side of the AV industry. I am not Tim Albright, who is on PTO. I am not Matt Scott, who is on vacation. I am The Leftovers, uh, the producer of AV Nation's uh, shows. Um, and the thing is, I'm not really... Uh, I, I've done this for about four years now. I, I would not consider myself an expert at all, which is why I have a panel of people who are amazing in this field, uh, starting with Principal of Fergosa Design, co-host of our very own uh, State of Control, all about programming, uh, Rich Fergosa. Uncle Richie, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mitch. I am so excited to uh, have you uh, taking the helm on this one. This is awesome. Again, we've we've spent so many years at so many shows with you, uh, you know, hunched behind the computer, uh, spinning your editing magic, you know, on your two on your two decks, you know, uh, and uh, ripping ripping digital wax all the way through. It's actually uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to this and with my compatriot who uh, you're going to be introducing next. Next, we have no longer the vice president of business development, now a fresh new VP of commercial for Origin Acoustics, Joe Whitaker. Uh, first off, congratulations and hello. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I mean, although it's kind of weird that you're VP of commercial, we may have to kick you off immediately because this is, I don't know if you know, it's a resi show. Yeah, this this may be true. And this is an interesting whole thing because um, um, I've been on many shows with you on the producer side and I think I may have even hosted a couple shows with you on the producer side, and now you get to be the host of a show I'm on. It's kind of kind of, kind of neat. Oh yeah, and also this is Tim Albright. And you're listening. One time, this is not a this is not a regular thing. I will fight. I will drag someone in. <laughs> you know, I, I'll also I'll just say that you know since Resi since arguably Resi and commercial are getting so intertwined, you know, I'll, I'll give it a pass. And also because our, our first story is Infocom 2023, which is a big show for both the residential and commercial side. Maybe more commercial, but mm, argue, argue. Infocom 2023 was last week uh, featuring not just a whole lot of innovation, um, new products, and a lot of really interesting stuff, but uh, education and classes from Avixa. Uh, I do know that Steve Greenblatt, host of State of Control, had his own uh, show or uh, class with Brittany DeCessory. Um, from Control Concepts, which sounded really neat, and I wish I could have gone. I was stuck here in St. Louis, but I lived vicariously through a lot of the footage that we got and got to see some really neat things uh, through that. Um, according to the numbers, which we only got a couple of hours ago, so we're lucky in that thing, there are 29,000 uh, attendees that they verified. Uh, a third of them were actually first time, I want to say 37%. Um, so I think that's a really good way to say that there's some growth there. Uh, but you guys were on the show floor. Um, so I guess I'll just start off kind of, was there anything cool that you guys saw um, that just 
straight up blew you away, regardless of what camp they come from. Well, I've already decided I've got the name for the show since I'm Uncle Richie and uh, you're going to be Cousin Cotton Eye Joe. So, so it's Uncle Richie and Cousin Joe <laughs> spinning the yarns. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, and I think, I think, Joe, you're going to agree. Um, it's that this was another uh, evolution, not a revolution kind of show, where we saw um, existing technologies uh, the refinements, you know, we've seen more of the move towards software. We're seeing more and more software codecs. We're seeing more and more software DSPs. We're seeing more and more software solutions. Um, two companies who were dealing with software uh, based AV over IP solutions. I mean, it was the first time that I saw it, that they went, we're going to put this on a nook. They virtualized um, the video over IP. And I went, that's the next step. You know, we we've now seen you know, we had the original point to point. We had copper to copper for 15 years. Then we moved over to uh, AV over IP with actual boxes. We are now virtualizing that process again. So, uh, you know, I, we're seeing those iterative steps over a five-year period. Um, a big thing that I noticed really for the show, um, and we were talking about this earlier before we were recording, is that I, I had the luxury of attending four shows in one calendar year. So we had the delayed, we had delayed ISE, uh, we had Infocom, regular ISE, and now Infocom again. So during the course of a calendar year, the biggest thing that I've seen is the return of people to the show. Um, just right there, you know, roughly 30,000 attendees. Um, but the big thing that I noticed, and we were talking about earlier, is it wasn't just necessarily management. like. Infocom of, uh, what was it, 21, you saw like basically decision makers were the only ones who were making it, trying to make it to meetings, trying to discuss business, no techs, you know, and again, it, you know, slight little virus kind of changed things around. 22, we saw the return. It was still mostly, I felt kind of a business first meeting where you'd sit down, you'd kind of hammer out the deals that you needed to for the year, but there wasn't necessarily that going through the booths and the trade show feel where you're bringing your technician, you're bringing your team, you're bringing those first-time attendees. And from the numbers that you just said that, you know, 30% first-time attendees, that tracks, that definitely tracks. I, you know, I, I, this was the first time in five years that I did not cover the show for media. I actually got to put my consultant cap on and it, I got to spend just two days walking, walking the aisles, going to each booth, meeting with manufacturers, meeting with, um, other integrators, just getting the opportunity to get a feel for the industry and the people. And one of the things that I really noticed was that the attendance of employees of companies, and this is large companies and small companies, where I'd see two, three, four, five person operations um, working their way through. And, and they were, um, I, what I like about the virtualization of the software is it's leveling the playing field. You don't necessarily have to be deeply invested in deep pockets into hardware with a lot of software solutions that are out there that allow smaller companies to be a little bit more nimble um, to work their way into projects where before, unless you had basically a giant warehouse that you could house everything that you needed, um, that was, that was kind of interesting. But in, I mean, we'll get into Joe's part, you know, in his transition, but what about the show floor itself from the manufacturer side? Whoa. So uh, to me, it was an interesting uh, show. If you look at, um, it's starting to show a very unique intersection of commercial and residential. 
um, from the point of, I did bump into you, Richie, which is always amazing seeing you. And then saw one of my good friends, Sean LeMay, who is strictly residential and now doing Zoom rooms in houses, right? Um, he's blending corporate environment into residential environment. And then all the way from you talking about, you know, Uncle Richie and Cousin Joe, and I got to see Daryl, the CEO of Cedia, and his other brother, Daryl, uh, Mr. Labuskus, and his other brother, Daryl, Mr. Blackman, all under one roof, right? So you had Daryl and his other brother, Daryl, and his other brother, Daryl. Old TV uh, 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 quote there, for those of you who don't know it, but it was like the blending of all people under one roof. Uh, from the manufacturer side, um, obviously, it was like, you know, Origin Acoustics first go, um, really, at, at a commercial show. And we did it with partners like, you know, you know, Crestron and, and, and others, but, um, the unique, the feel was there, um, is what I could say from the manufacturer's aspect. Cause I went and visited, you know, Crestron and RTI, um, and Atlas IED and clear led. And, you know, I got to run the whole thing. And, and if you really look at it, um, this year at Infocom, of course, that good old pandemic really took some steam out for a little while. And by the way, there was this big booth um, with a very big sign and they're still called COVID. Please change your name. Yeah, I know exactly who you're that, talking about. <laughs> I was like, no, there's no COVID on this floor. Um, but uh, I really got to see something I haven't seen in a while, which I call the rule of five. It's five years for anything commercial or European to hit the U.S. residential market or another five years for it to hit the Midwest. So I really saw, you know, looking through there, the things that RTI is doing with, um, you know, uh, POE and Dante amplifiers. I got to visit with the guys at Autodate, you know, Dante. And I'm seeing all these things that points to me that, um, of course, commercial is the ultimate test market. Because very large scale projects, very, uh, I mean, process driven, very down to a science. Those are the things that bleed over in five years, right? Into residential. We've seen it forever. Um, and I really feel this year was that one year. If you look at what Crestron's doing, RTI, Audinate, Atlas IED, um, all these guys with their big video walls where you look at it and you go, yeah, that could go in a a residential client's backyard, like tomorrow, like that can go there right now. Um, and then you look at some of the stuff they're doing with, you know, fireproof audio, you know, speakers, you know, with fire ratings, um, extreme IP ratings for outdoor uh, weather. Like you're like, yeah, like that's going to hit residential in five years guaranteed. Um, the one thing I did notice Richie um, is there seems to be a lot of really interesting consolidation within distribution markets where those distributors, residential side and commercial side, especially commercial side, are consolidating those brands down much smaller where they can offer a very boutique offering from end to end, whether it be networking, amplifiers, speakers, displays, video distribution. I mean, you look at Just Add Power as with Starin now, right? Who would have thought? So you see this really unique consolidation of the distribution market, which is where commercial plays. Of course, there's dealer direct. For the most part, it's big distribution market. You're seeing it becoming very more niche and tied up where you don't have a billion things to choose from, but you have a catalog to choose from where everything actually works together. Um, I saw that at like 
five dis different distributors booths at Infocom. So I'm going to say, please make that work in residential too. Um, choose a tight knit catalog so that one distributor can give an entire solution from, from bottom to top um, for, you know, the integration market in residential because it's happening in commercial. And from what I see, it's working. Since you say that residential, uh, it starts off kind of down the line. Is there, what is, what's the real big push for integrators? They should be checking out these shows, obviously, if it comes a big show, but they have Cedia. They have, they've got niche stuff like, uh, like Lightapalooza, which is very lightwear focused. Um, why, why check out Infocom other than that it's big? <laughs> well, two part. It was, uh, it was interesting. I, I had a chance to sit down with, uh, and unfortunately, Joe couldn't make it because he's he's just he's just too highfalutin right now. He was he couldn't he couldn't flat land with us. But um, I had a chance to sit down um, <laughs> with friends that I've known for 25 years, you know, that I hadn't had a chance to see in a while. And we were talking about how when we started in residential, we had taken commercial principles and we had applied it to the residential consulting model, um, which at the time, 25 years ago in Resi, I mean, it was the Wild West. You're a Cowboys. You just, you know, again, that's where the trunk slam, the trunk slamming, uh, you know, adage came from. Um, but one of the things that we've always tried to promote is that there's nothing wrong with good practices. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with taking a documentation heavy approach. And for whatever reason, residential, because of the way that some people approach residential, some people, they, they get into the market, they don't necessarily get down to process. If nothing else, what I've always felt that a residential integrator needs to focus on is taking that book from commercial about process. And that's what a VIXA does. You know, you should be able to take a CTS test. And the reason why you should be able to take a CTS, either a design test or an engineering test, is those are simple basic principles of how sound and video operate in a space presenting to an audience. Now, whether that is an audience of 500 people or an audience of two in a dedicated, you know, media room or family room or an office, those principles still apply. But more importantly, it's the process and the documentation itself. So, you know, the, the one-off shows are great in that they're, they're product, right? You go in, you see the device, you touch it, you talk to the people on there. But that's not education. And part of learning your craft, especially in residential, you know, and again, it's like we always laugh is that, you know, we got into it, uh, you know, 30 years ago because, uh, you know, either our, our, you know, our bands weren't making it or we were doing something else. We figured out we had to get a day job and then we all fell into this. Um, but but there there is a, a, a process to it. And so on the front end for the Avix, and we were talking about like Infocom is Avix's show. Avixa is the organization. There were, you know, about a hundred or if not more, and we can check the numbers who were there four days before the show even opened. And, and Chuck Espinosa was doing one of the trainings for the, the CTS prep. Um, we're there just for the education side. Um, but again, right now what's happening is because of meeting equity, because of work from home, you need to understand the principles of, um, you know, how a DSP works, how you propagate in a room, lighting, framing. Everything that comes together that the way you're designing a huddle space is exactly the same way that you're designing the home office. Okay. You need to have all of those things together. Now, even more so with the way that, you know, we are in a hybrid world. We are not going back. I joked before we started recording that 
you know, everybody in the industry, because we're technology driven, loves the fact that we can work from home. We have all these home offices, there's productivity gains and everything else. And yet one of the one of the talks was how to get everybody back into the office, which was being sold by the people who didn't necessarily want to go back to the office either. So the commercial market is kind of in this unintended consequence of the work from home movement in that they still have to sell products for the office, but there's less offices at this point. So, you know, San Francisco, we've seen a 70% reduction in office space in one year, 70%. So we now have to, and, and that's where I think commercial will have to move a little bit towards Resi in that now commercial has to take into account the home office hybrid situation where before the resi side was saying, how can I get a C-level executive to get a conference room feel without them physically going in? So, you know, what, what's happening right now with a big show like Infocom is it gives you a much bigger macro view of where both industries are going to start colliding into one another. And it's not only just commercial, you're talking education, you're talking enterprise, you're talking resi, even bespoke, um, you know, the 21 by nine screens that are out there, the Samsung wall, the LG OLED, all of those out there, there's going to be cameras sitting on top in that media room with proper lighting, proper microphone, which they're, you know, Dante or DSP. I, I, I mean, again, I, I view the ability for a residential space to be turned into a conference space and be a multi-purpose space, right? And you've got a family room, that is going to be great just for when you're watching football on Sunday, as it is when you're having a Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting on Monday. Um, and so a large show like Infocom, from a business owner standpoint, goes, hey, this is where your business model needs to go. Because if you're just focusing on the niche side, like we did pre-pandemic, you're not necessarily going to either hit your profit goals or you're going to be around because it's moving too quickly. And and this this the the tide has shifted on this at this point. You know, I'll make my comment on that quick and easy. While you know shows like uh, uh, Light Up Palooza um, do have their value, we at Origin Acoustics now own a lighting company that does linear lighting called Lighting Leaf. We understand the value of that, but in technology, the old adage is the best. You have to surround yourself by the people you would like to emulate people who you would like to be and within all of technology the consummate professional is at infocom that is where you get to sit beside the real professionals something that you know uh, the lighting industry or the even the cd industry is still struggling with how to be at that professional level and the only place you're going to find that within all of these kind of combined industries is at Infocom. You sit in classes with those people. You have dinner and have drinks with those people. You have to emulate who you would like to be like. And that is the only show where they're all at. Now, I will say, yes, at ISE, Richie, you know too, we've been there. There are a lot of them there. But the true concentration of them is at Infocom, hands down. Um, that's where you go to one-up your game, especially if you're residential. That's where you go to learn all the things Richie just talked about. Um, you know, the professionalism, proper documentation, process management, all of that stuff. If you want to be the best of the best, 
you go find that at Infocom and you rub elbows with those guys. That's why you saw, you know, some CDA board members there and CDA CEO there is that is where the professional meets. Um, and it will bleed down. Like, don't get me wrong. All you guys listen to ResiWeek, it will bleed down heavily into residential, but it all starts with those larger companies. Um, you know, the suit and tie guys. That's not me, of course. Most of you know me, but um, that's where it all happens. So the big reason for Infocom, especially for the Resi guy, is that's where you want up your game for sure. I'm going to call out one of our friends um, who was a perfect example of this. Heather Sidorowitz was at the show 30 years ago. Her dad's shop was a TV shop, right? First person I saw. Successfully transitioned their model from a resi model to that commercial model and is doing fantastic commercial work. Same company, same principles, but took that to that next level where all of a sudden, instead of putting a TV and a sound bar and some speakers and a Sonos or whatever in a living room, are now doing museum spaces, business spaces, putting up their own video walls. You know, they, they, and, and that's a key, you know, as opposed, and again, we're on the Resi show. That has to be part of your model. Resi's margins are changing. You're, you're not making those same margins as that, at that point. So you need to be able to diversify, whether it's Resi Marshall. Unless you shop with Origin Unless Acoustics. Unless you shop with Origin Acoustics, exactly. <laughs> then you're the, the one-stop shop Love for the all of your, your, your leads. But, I mean, if you take a look, Leon, right? Leon Speakers is making some great enclosures, right? You know? But the, these, for this Resi-based show, if you are not expanding the breadth and width of what you, breadth and width of what you do, whether it is commercial, um, resi-mercial, hospitality, but again, shading, lighting. Um, if you don't understand at this point from a resi, from a resi practitioner's view, how Dante works, you are going to be in a lot of hurt very quickly over the next few years. If you don't understand AV over IP at this point, if you don't understand soft codex, hard codex, meeting equity, and all of these things, these are necessary parts of your business model at this point. You can't just go, I'm putting in a 85 inch flat panel and a sound bar um, and walking away. There, you know, at this point, there's not enough to sustain you to, to keep you moving forward. And so, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's especially now, like, like Joe was saying, and, and yeah, and absolutely for origin. I mean, origin, there's no accident why origin is working their way into commercial as well. It is an untapped market where higher quality options are finding a market that they go, oh yeah, guess what? In the commercial space or in the enterprise space, they do want it to sound better. Go figure. <laughs> Who would have thunk it, right? And, and as we jump into the next story, I will add that, you know, since we're talking about that thing, is for all my Resi guys out there, I, I, I did it myself more than once. I did it during the 2007 uh, housing market crash is diversify your solutions now. We have no idea um, where the economy is going to go, where deficits are going to go or whatever. And usually the residential market is hit first. The only thing that saved my company back then was diversifying into commercial when the resi market dropped off. That kept our doors open. So like Richie said, educate yourself about these things now because it can actually be a long-term solution to keep your doors open. Yes, I I agree completely. And um, with that 
you have made the uh, perfect segment to jump into our uh, probably last story. We took a lot of time for Infocom because I don't know it was a big show. And surprisingly, uh, other sh- other um, stories did happen <laughs> in the week. Um, mostly kind of uh, opinion pieces. We've brought back another Henry Clifford one. We haven't actually brought back Henry Clifford like last time where that just happened to coincide with him showing up on the show. Um, but he made a article as he does a article. I mentioned I'm a broadcasting, like I have, I have education in this becoming a descent <laughs> farmer um, and how optimism can only take you so far in your business. Um, Henry writes, basically read the article. Matt says it all the time. I'm not sure he actually does what he says, but nonetheless, um, he talks about being a descent farmer and that is not finding the things that are bad and, and, you know, picking them up. Um, but instead kind of going through the team, um, when somebody, you know, you want to be an optimist, you're a, uh, as a business owner, you want to say, I hope we make our, uh, our, our goals, but you need to know when to say when, what's going to happen when that doesn't happen. Um, Joe, I'll start with you. Uh, you've had a company, um, and you've successfully fostered it off and, and made it its own thing so it can, uh, go on your own um how how do you balance that how do you balance the optimism of we're a company and we can do stuff between oh god i gotta get all this you know all this stuff is in the way and this thing can happen and what could you know how do you how do you do that without cracking oh sorry so i do it even today with with nick although we have a different term for it um, but with my old company, once a month, and I recommend everybody do this every 30 days, keep track of the news, keep track of economies, all that kind of stuff. But once a month, you need to have when shit happens meeting. That's what my meeting was. When shit happens, you go through everything, economy, stock, supply chain, the whole nine. And you go, if this happens, where do we go? And you have all your research done ahead of time. Housing market crash. Perfect example. The pandemic, horrible example, because nobody was prepared for that. So you have to have a moment of clarity where you look at when things go wrong, what do I do? You you have to have that there. Like you cannot succeed long-term without a backup plan. You always have to have a stage two, whether it go from, you know, okay, we're just going to like power wash houses now. Has nothing to do with technology, but you got to have a backup plan. You got to keep all the, the people that work for you's families fed. You got to keep the doors open, the lights on, etc. You have to have a when shit happens scenario. You really do. And in our industry, it's it's actually a lot easier than than other industries because you look at when Texas tried to outlaw, I don't not outlaw, but regulate um, integrators installing cameras and forcing them to get security licenses. You look at the you know the 10, 12 volt state of New Jersey. Um, you look at all these things and you not only have to plan for it, but you also have to build in an agility, not just into monetary um, or or process, but also in culture. You also have to have you, executives, all the way down to the guy who sweeps the floor in the warehouse, a mindset of immediate agility. So that when something happens, which guys, we all know it could happen in the next six months. When something happens, can we all be agile enough to either execute 
on a previously determined plan or just throw all the chips in the air and see what falls and see how we can stay in business and how we can turn it around. You have to have monthly, oh my God, meetings where, oh my God, this might happen. What is our plan moving forward? Because if you don't, you will be like the hundreds of companies during the housing market crash. Companies, friends of mine owned that within three months didn't exist anymore. So you, you have to have that mindset. And when you have that mindset, the transition into exit strategy can actually become a thing. Uh, Mitch, you've been posting, you know, uh, producing the show forever. You've heard everybody talk about exit strategies for like ever, but you only hear a few people doing it. The only ones that can do it are the ones that have implemented some form of backup plan or agility strategy so that they can, because you can't exit unless there's agility strategy, because guess what happens? The main person in the front is no longer there. That's another shift. So those are all things for planning for either longevity or exit strategy. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, Rich, kind of same question. Um, how do you, obviously you can't account for everything. Um, if that was, you'd be an amazing businessman. Um, but how, how do you, how do you come up with those? Is it just your, um, shit is happening, uh, meetings or is it, do you have to, how do, how do you plan for that? So a lot of my career is built on explaining that it's not an, if it's a, when something happens. Um, and I do a lot of forensic work, right? We do a lot of rescue jobs. So we come in after a successful, after a project isn't necessarily successful, you know, they maybe get 40% of the way, 80%, maybe sometimes even 90% of the way. And then, you know, the, the families happen. So we're able to kind of go back and do the forensic review. You know, we always call it the, uh, the Quincy review, right? And, you know, we, we basically do an autopsy on the system and go, where did all of these things go wrong at this point? And we find out. Okay, great. There was a communication breakdown between you and the client where all of a sudden you had a scope creep that occurred. Everybody was great in the beginning, right? It, what is it? What is it? Is that you? Ne nobody ever enforces a contract at the beginning of a project. <laughs> you know, uh, nobody ever sues each other at the beginning of a project. Um, so part of descent farming for me is, is that project approach, which is it's okay for when. When is a good thing? When is the ability to pivot and work your way through and stop embrace it, it? Stop looking at it as something that we have to hide from. And that's what happens with a lot of integrators is that I don't want to hear any bad news, right? I don't want any bad vibes on this. I don't want to know about it. If it happens, that'll be great. And so we treat it as this thing, like a, a, a visit to the dentist's office, right? And like what Joe's talking about is he's got like, hey, once a month, we're just going to go, what it? More importantly, it's the opportunity to say, hey, the reason why we're saying what if is because of X or because of Y. And you're able to be on the front end to be able to say, this is where we're going before it happens, as opposed to after it happened, we're in a world of hurt. For Resi, especially, you've got a lot of integrators who are wearing seven different hats. So they may go ahead and be doing the design and doing the finish work and everything else. They've got a couple of techs out there and then all of a sudden, when a project goes south or they lose profitability or something, it's like, oh, what happened? And then they start yelling at everybody and they're getting upset. And, you know, I mean, it just, it goes, it's chapter and verse. <laughs> Joe and I have both seen this for decades, right? And, and it's just like, 
it just keeps happening. It just keeps happening. It just keeps happening. And I think what Henry's article was talking about was just, again, like kind of like commercial and tying this into Infocom. It's process. When we mean it's just business, it's not personal, it's just business, that's what we actually mean in this case is that so many resi dealers, it's a cult of personality, right? What they do is who they are. That can be one of the absolute worst things you do to your company because then you get caught up in your own cult of personality. And he talked about it, right? Believe in your own press. I've always done that with integrators, right? The minute you start believing your own press is the minute that somebody's going to go ahead and hopscotch you. Because if you think that you're that good, that you've got the secret sauce, you don't. You've just convinced yourself that you do. And so the descent farming, and it's not knocking yourself down. It's just, um, and it's funny, like, you know, Joe, Joe's a martial artist, I'm a martial artist, is that there's a certain point, we call it flow, right? You need to be able to find your flow. And when you find your flow is not when things are going well, but when things are going poorly, because you recenter, you refocus, and then you reestablish, right? And we always have a saying that, Slow is smooth and smooth is quick. That's what descent farming does is it slows you down, takes a moment at what could happen. And to steal from Joe, that's where your agility comes from. Your agility comes from not moving quickly, but from planning slowly. Because then when it does hit, you're not surprised. You then just execute. And it's it's a very weird way of thinking and operating for many people. Because the the first thought is activity, right? Activity is not agility. Activity is not something that moves you forward. It's we call it busy work, right? Oh, I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving, right? You know, and and um, you know, in, in sports they call it hero ball, right? You know, you try to be the hero, you're trying to do everything on your own. Look at look at how we do it, but you don't get anywhere. The descent farming is that moment, is the ability to step aside, take your cult of personality out of it as a business owner and say, okay, here's what we are. We're not saying that it's happening, but we're preparing ourselves, learning the process, training ourselves so that if it does happen, we execute and move ahead with a minimum of movement across the process. And so, you know, again, like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's the West Coast vibe or it's the martial artist in me, but it is about control, you know, <laughs> and learning how to maintain your calm yeah. under that pressure situation. Definitely. And that is a beautiful place to wrap it up. Otherwise, I will get, because I'm not a martial artist, but I do have a lot of fighting games. Uh, and I, honestly, it does speak a lot to a lot of the same things. Um, with things like fundamentals and core and stuff. And also, you know, because that I would get into a tangent because um, the esports scene is big and integrators should be looking at that. But that is a story for another time because we have we have over exceeded our limit. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, Rich, how can we get in touch with you or Fergosa Design? You can find me on the interwebs, uh, Twitter at rfergosa. You can find the company, fergosadesign.com. Type in my name into the interwebs, things will pop up. Uh, hopefully, you will find me there. But more importantly, I hope you find me here on AV Nation. Um, obviously, we have our show with State of Control in our 
moving past episode 100 and on our way to 200 with my partner, Steve Greenblatt, where we talk about the state of the control system automation industry itself. Um, but hopefully here on the rest of our suite of shows and verticals. And like I say, always help us out by supporting our sponsors. Thank you so much. Uh, Joe, same thing. Thank you for being here. How can we get in touch with you or Origin Acoustics? You know me. I just just email me directly, Joe at originacoustics.com, or you can find me all over the good old web uh, at Joe Whitaker. Um, you'll see this ugly mug. You'll know it's me. And you can uh, drop me info, ask me questions, give me product ideas, whatever you got coming. Um, if it's on your mind and you think I should hear it, just send it my way. Did you, is it really just the, you're the only Joe or is there, did you, did you take the other guys? No, no, <laughs> I am the only Joe. We do have Kyle, two Kyles. So if there is ever another Joe that comes along, he gets to be Joe number two, just like we have a Kyle number two. So he will be, uh, he'll probably be Joe number two at originacoustics.com. I'm of the Clancy Brown, there can be only one kind of situation, but. Yeah, me too. I feel like that. And then I could just be. And our alternate, and or the alternate, like I said, Cousin Joe. Cousin Joe's showing up. Yeah. Cousin Joe. Uh, I'm Mitchell. Don't follow me on the socials. I'll take that from Tim because I'm not part of the AV industry. If you want to see stuff like fun art and writing things, that's that's more the uh, line. Instead, I will take Richie's uh, cue and say, Check out our underwriters. Uh, check out our shows like State of Control, like AV Week and Resi Week. Um, our Women in AV podcast, which just recently had a show at Infocom, um, which was really fun to edit around. Um, and I, that's a really fun conversation. Um, check that out. Support our underwriters. Um, it, they, they're in the AV industry from a very selfish standpoint. That gets me paid. So I would appreciate that. Um, brothers got to eat. I believe that's a that's a Richie uh, quote. Um, and yes, check out all our shows and more at avnation.tv. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for Resi Week. Come on.